Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Hey, everybody. It's Wood Talk number 233 for April 10th, 2015, and it's a weekend edition of Wood Talk. So on today's show, we're talking about closed calls and how you get over them, if you get over them. And some people never do. So let's just jump right into it. It was an email that came in from Eric that uh, spurred this conversation. He says, I was wondering if you have all had a scare in the shop that had you questioning if you really know what you're doing or not. I felt this way on a few occasions, mostly after bowls exploding at the lathe, and it's difficult to get back in uh, in there for a bit. And after a while, it calms down. I'm doing a great job today. Um, I've been turning for a while, nearly all self-taught, aside from a pen class that was my entry into this rabbit hole. Then the other day, I got a nasty catch, and the spinning hunk of wood just likes to get sucked, just likes to suck in your hand like a vacuum. Uh, Barely a scrape on my hand, but I question whether I should continue. Do you guys have any of these experiences or suggestions for shaking it off? So... A lot of, you know, a lot of little things we could talk about here. So I guess let's go around the room, so to speak. Um, trying to think for me, I had these early on. I can remember a couple specific events. People might've heard me talk about them. One was when I decided to try to just like the end of the board, wanted to take just a hair off. It was just a little bit too long for something. And I ran a board, maybe a six inch wide board vertically across the jointer. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> right I remember now, the story all right yeah oh. and now anybody who's been around power tools <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's been around power tools for a while knows that that's not a smart thing to do but if you're new to woodworking and you know that the jointer just kind of you could set it to take off very very light pass why wouldn't you want to do that like it doesn't immediately scream out as a dangerous thing to do but with a little experience it's like Red flags. Oh my God, you moron. Why did you do that? (laughs) So yes, that was one time where I said, yeah, I really don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, And the second time was when I created a a, a router table missile by running the workpiece from left to uh, from right to left (laughs) with the workpiece between the bit and the fence. 
And boy, was that exciting uh, as the board just shot across the room. So yeah, there have absolutely been those times, but uh, I'll go into my, you know, why I felt it was okay as a learning experience, because that kind of ties into how I think someone might kind of get through it and get over it. Uh, One more recent thing that I had was back at the old shop uh, at our previous home. I was just kind of rushing, moving things through, and I did one of those super careless moves of not waiting till the bandsaw blade came to a complete stop before doing something, whether it's like to move a piece out of the way or push my hand beyond it to do something behind the blade, but I wasn't careful enough, and I actually went to just kind of wave some dust away and got the tip of my middle finger into the blade, Uh, and it cut it down maybe about an eighth of an inch right into my finger and into the nail, which ultimately for what a bandsaw can do to you, that is just, that's nothing. But let me tell you, scared the crap out of me. And we're talking at a point where I felt that I was fairly experienced. So again, later I'll talk about my solutions for this and why, why I was able to get back into the shop an hour later and not feel spooked by it. Um, so let's uh, talk to Shannon first. Do you have anything that comes to mind with this? Well, if I go back uh, a few years and, and kind of like you, I've had a, a few of these that pop up, but it was a long time ago. So I'd like to think maybe I've wisened, wizened up. I've learned um, a little bit, but I had a, a, a bad kickback. Uh, I don't know, long time ago, more than six years ago. And it was one of those things where I was cutting little pieces and I was doing everything right. You know, I had the push stick, had the the splitter, everything was in place. You know, there was a guard over the blade. No, sorry, there wasn't a guard over the blade. That's right. Um, it was one of those things where it was in too close and you had to remove the guard. And let's be honest, I probably never put it back on. Um, but I had a bunch of small pieces and I was making sure that they were like far enough in the blade and they weren't like drifting back into the blade. But as I finished, I shut off the saw and I immediately reached to pick up the pieces and I picked up several. And we're talking like, um, maybe one inch by two inch kind of little rectangles blocks. And I picked up more than one and one of them slipped out of my hand and dropped as I was passing over the saw blade, it dropped onto the blade and it immediately turned into a missile, which launched immediately into my gut. Fortunately, there was a few extra pounds at the time to, to pad <laughs> the precious internal organs. But um, I just remember when I went to the doctor, you know, and he's like, all right, well, let me take a look. And I lift up my shirt and he goes, ew. And like step back three steps. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's those are just sign. my nipples, doc. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. That's not a good sign. When the doctor itself <laughs> is like, wow, that's kind of gross. <laughs> you know, so that was, that was that scary, you know, I think everyone's had some sort of scary, whether it's actual kickback or something at the table saw. Sure. And you know, that, that I, I shut everything down. And, and called it quits for the night. You know, it didn't really hurt. It's a good idea, I think. You know, it was just one of those, I need to go <laughs> and like get my head back right. Um, and you know, my biggest thing that I was worried about was telling the wife because she was going to be like, what are you freaking moron? I was more worried about the pain inflicted from that than anything else. Why is it that um, wives get angry? I mean, maybe husbands do too, but <laughs> this this is not the first I've heard of a, of a wife being like less than sympathetic about a shop injury and just more angry about it. Like the right, is like they, that all the time. Because they just assume we did something stupid yeah. based upon our performance everywhere else. What'd you life? do now, you moron? <laughs> Pretty much. I'm going to go pick up those parts you left in the shop and we're heading to the hospital. <laughs> right. Um, 
other than that, I mean, I can't say from a power tool perspective, I really had that many issues, but I've had a few humbling moments with hand tools. You know, and hand tools are one of those things that, ah, you know, it's not moving at however many thousand RPMs and it's not going to hurt you that much. But mm-hmm. um, I've never had one of those things where I've had like my hand in the way of the chisel. I've always been very clear about that. But there was one time I was sawing and I actually have this on video and hand tool school members, you're with me on this because you got to see it in slow-mo. Yeah, because I'm cruel that way. I was sawing with a turning saw um, on a like a bird's mouth fixture. So I was holding the piece with my own hand. And there's only really one way to do that. You're sawing towards your hand. But if you keep your hand far enough away, it's not going to be a problem. You think, you know, how quick can a 22-point per inch turning saw blade actually move through the wood? If you mm-hmm. slip, it's going to move an eighth of an inch. Well, you forget that sometimes there are imperfections in the wood and you might hit a soft spot or you might hit a kind of a fracture line that was already existing. And it, in that particular instance, the blade jumped about four inches forward in one stroke because the wood just split on me. And inside that four inches was my hand holding the wood. And I still have the scar right in kind of the meat of your palm on my right hand. And it was a, it was a multiple stitch butterfly bandage thing that, um, you know, tiny little insignificant 22 point per inch, eighth of an inch, essentially coping saw blade and my turning saw, like the most innocuous thing in the world. You wouldn't think it would be that dangerous because it's such a fine tooth saw. But, you know, one thing I'll say is such a fine tooth saw. It leaves a really clean cut and it healed up nicely. But <laughs> yeah, that was that was a real humbling moment. It was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm totally safe here. What's the worst that can happen? Well, <laughs> that's been a lot happen. worse, I suppose. But even that little, you know, harmless 12 inch turning saw blade uh, caused significant enough damage that he needed three stitches. So that's, that's uh that's exactly how I cut tomatoes in the kitchen. I just hold them in my palm and just kind of yeah. start cutting into it. <laughs> I find it works very well. Uh, Matt, what about you? I've never had anything happen in the shop, but I've never caught it on video. So I don't know. <laughs> I've never actually uh, done any woodworking. So no, no I'm, a, I'm a knitter and I'm just pretending to be a good woodworker. So your, your big, your big claim to fame. Couple, yes. well, a couple of years ago, right, with the router. Yep, uh, episode 484, um, I took a router bit to the thumb. Uh, and the first people I thought of immediately while I was laying on the floor waiting for my parents to arrive to help me take to the hospital was, my co-hosts are going to love this. I'm going to send them the video. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I was like, this is great. This is gold. <laughs> yeah, So, but actually, surprisingly, that's not the incident that probably uh, shook me the absolute most. I think very early on, um, I had an incident where I was cutting. It was, it was some knotty pine, and I went right not through the knot, but just a side of the knot. And it released a whole bunch of energy. It popped. It sounded like a gun went off in my shop and it bound the blade like it just all that tension released and it just shot together, hit the blade, pinched it and it just completely stopped the motor. In fact, smoke started coming out of the motor and I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on here? And I started feeling myself to make sure that I hadn't actually been hit by anything. And then so I shut everything down. That shook me up so bad that it was easily a couple of days before I went back down there to even like pry, pry the blade loose from the wood. Mm, wow. um, so I had no idea that that kind of thing could happen. So to this day, I still kind of cringe a little bit when I'm cutting anything that has a knot in it. Now, yeah. since was, then. Was this on your, on your grandfather's saw, the old one? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it probably would have not bogged down on one of your modern saws. Yeah, so what, it turned into a missile. You got what, a three horsepower saw stop now? Uh one and a half one and three quarter horsepower. Okay. All right. 
Cause I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering, I mean, obviously at a certain point, I guess any motor can bind, but these bigger, these bigger saws usually are a little less forgiving in that way. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, ha ha, whatever. And yeah. just keep on going. Throw it yeah, back so at we'll, you. Yeah. Cause that first one was, that was just a, uh, uh, that was a one horse, no half horsepower. Okay. Yeah, that was what that was. So there was that one. Now I've had a couple of incident where, and I hate to say a couple of incident because that doesn't that makes me sound like I'm really careless with this. But when I was using a bandsaw, I've had the blade come off during a bandsaw, which tells me that one I didn't have it tensioned completely <laughs> enough, and maybe I was trying to like rush the cut, which I think some people, I I know I'm not alone on that one. So I've had the bandsaw. Well, I've turned my bandsaw off. on before applying the tension, and then it like slips in place. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, don't. Apply the tension while the bandsaw is still running, though. Just oh, <laughs> good for thought. Yeah, that sounds bad. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so there was something like that, and then of course there was the the router bit to the thumb. I did have a similar situation, Mark, like you, where I was like uh, feeding the wood into the blade or into the spinning router bit on a router table. Once I was trying to do some sliding dovetails. And I don't know why it's only I was thinking I'll just feed it through this way. And then I watched the piece shoot out from my hands. Now, thankfully, my hands were a little ways away from the blade, pushing it up against the fence. But when it shot out, I thankfully didn't get any splinters. But there was like that moment where I'm like, where's the wood? Yeah. <laughs> One minute it was there. Next minute it wasn't. Yeah, I think I think everybody's done that, haven't we? You know? It's, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think turn for, your router table into a pitching machine. Yeah, it, it can be fun. You just got to be careful. Um, right. You yeah. know, and I think I think when it comes to these sort of uh, mistakes and errors these days, as you get a little bit more experience under your belt, when they happen, most of the time you immediately like you either knew it was a possibility when you did it. Or right. you immediately afterwards realize you had done something wrong and you know what it is. So I think at, at this stage of the game, after you have a couple years under your belt, you, you start to take these things in stride. And yeah, you, you, you're, you're <laughs> sorry, that's my dog. Still has that. <laughs> I thought it was Whoa. Shannon. <laughs> no, that's, uh, he's got this cough. I mean, we had, I took him to the vet and everything. Don't, he, he's fine. Don't worry about him, people. But uh, yeah, he coughs once in a while. I thought maybe my grandfather was visiting you. <laughs> it sounds so bad. I'm telling you, man, middle of the night when that happens, it just uh, scares the crap out of me. Um, so anyway, so these things happen and you know you need to take a break, right? You walk away, you take a break, you come back the next day or a couple days later. And I think it's much easier when you can identify what happened, why it happened, and you just made a dumb mistake. It, the, the, the ones that really knock you for a loop, and this is why they tend to happen more in the beginning, is when you have no idea what happened and why that whole incident occurred in the first place. Yeah. I can, I can see that's where Eric is coming from. Cause mm-hmm. I've had catches on the lathe before and you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, I have right. no idea. Did I, did, was the bevel not in the right place or whatever? And it's tough, you know, especially bowls because yeah. there's all kinds of stuff that can jump out and, and catch it. And mm-hmm. yeah, the wood grain can just play tricks on you. And I guess, you know, even experienced people are, you know, will, will occasionally have wood do something that was unanticipated. So I think that is going to be the key for Eric is to evaluate what happened and see if there's any way that he could prevent these catches, talk to other turners, find out what they do and what their experiences are. So that even when a catch happens, the worst that's going to happen is like, I don't know, the, the thing might come off the lathe, but you've got your face shield on or like there's right. a precautionary measure in place that accounts for this. And, and there are people who turn, you know, uh, every single day and don't have anything catastrophic ever happen because precautions are in place. So I think it's really a matter of educating yourself and evaluating what happened and how you can prevent it from happening, uh, from happening in the future. Maybe it's a, the tool's not sharp enough. It's too dull. 
maybe just the approach was a little too aggressive. Uh, maybe the angle of the approach was off. You know, try to investigate it. And once you're educated on what you did wrong, it just makes it so much easier to go, okay, I won't do that again <laughs> to make sure yes. this doesn't happen again. Right. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully people don't think that we're making kind of light of some of these situations because they really were a, a key uh, learning uh, incident for us as we are moving through these things. So I know oftentimes, regardless of what the tool is, there are certain things that immediately go through my head. Like I said, with with Naughty Pine, whenever I'm approaching some sort of uh, of knot, there's oftentimes I'll be looking at the grain of the wood trying to figure out, OK, is there something that could happen in here that could release some tension? Yeah. Uh, is there, you know, have I double checked this particular portion of the tool to make sure that this is in place uh with the router bit you know don't come from the left but more importantly maybe do i have it at the right speed uh, you know there's just these little things that yeah once you've had a chance to step away and think about what happened you're suddenly like oh i can spot at least two or three things that now i know i need to do the next <laughs> yeah. time i do this thing yeah and or I, you're like me and you just sell the table saw after the end <laughs> <laughs> you know, screw that thing. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> Give me a handsaw. And, you know, and I don't want to say that these kind of mistakes are necessary, but I can definitely say from my personal experience, the mistakes I've made in regards to like safety issues like this have been the most effective way to not make those mistakes again. Yes, and, definitely. Like they yes. really taught me about the physics of the machine, what it does, what I did wrong. And yeah, I probably read that somewhere and I probably had that warning well ahead of time, but I, for whatever reason, disregarded it, didn't think it was as big of a deal and made the mistake anyway. But you know, so I don't want to say that it's necessary. I think it would be nice if people could just learn woodworking and never have to deal with these very difficult lessons. Um, but I think the reality of it is a lot of us will make these mistakes. Uh, the, the, my hope is that you'll make them in a way that isn't going to cause you great injury. Uh, just a close call, just enough to make you go, okay, understand. I see what happened. Now I respect to you table saw i'm not gonna do that exactly <laughs> yeah well you know and, and that's another thing is um uh, oh where the heck was i going with this uh if you survive it no that's not it okay shannon take it i'm gonna come back to this i had <laughs> good a job I was thinking of something really good <laughs> if i were to say something specific to eric who answered who asked this question um certainly there's the whole you know cliche get back on the horse but dial it back a little maybe go to a spindle um Bowl turning, it can be really scary because you're dealing with a larger diameter object spinning and you've got a differential in speed from the center of the bowl to the, the outer rim of the bowl. So maybe dial it back and go with a smaller bowl or go with a cup or something like that. Or just go back to the spindle and grab that skew chisel, the same skew chisel that had problems. Make sure it's sharp, first of all, and, and just do some work with, you know, whatever, a piece of two by four or something like that, and just play around with it and see if you can figure out what went wrong in an, in a safer environment. When you're turning between centers, it's going to be a lot easier. You're dealing with a, a, a smaller diameter spinning there. Um, I think that'll help you out. And if you're still really concerned and still shaken, look into some of the new tools, the new carbide tools. E easy I'm not going to say it's impossible to get a catch, but it'd be pretty hard to get a catch on some of these tools. Um, and maybe that can help you kind of ease your way back into it, regain some of that confidence. Now that involves spending some money, obviously, but who, you know, do I really have to twist people's arms to buy a new tool? I mean, come on. <laughs> Not usually. We don't. Okay. <laughs> so I, I just was thinking of uh, what I was going to say is, you know, the number one thing that, and Anybody that's out there that's listening to this, you know you've done this. I bet you guys have done this because I know I've done this. And then thankfully I'm at that point now where I usually stop myself from doing it. But if you find yourself saying, well, you know, I just need to do this one. So if I try it this way, 
Uh, that is just like, here, hold my beer, watch this. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're kind of in, in the same realm because it always seems like you convince yourself like, oh, I just have one more thing to do and I don't want to do a full setup. So I'm just going to. I'm just going to do this one thing. And that always seems to be when an issue actually happens. Yeah, I, I have done that recently. I, there was some operation I was doing at the miter saw. And I knew that if I had the stop lock in the wrong place, like you have to be able to let that piece move, you know, because after the cut, it's going to move. And if there's a stop lock there uh, and it gets, you know, contacts the blade at the same time as the stop, it's bad news. But anyway, I was in a rush and I'm like, you know, I know there's a risk. I know there's a possibility of doing this, but I need to get this done real quick. This is the quickest and easiest way. It wasn't on camera or anything, so I didn't get the film it. Uh, And I did it. And two seconds later, shink. And you could just, you get that sound where you know that something just happened. The, the wood shattered. And I actually, I wish I would have filmed it because it would have been a great lesson, but it was a piece of a chunk of babinga for the, the dresser project that I'm doing. And I actually bent the blade. Like it was bad enough. And this, we're talking about the miter saw, um, where the next couple of cuts, I started to make a cut and like, Ooh, this is awfully rough. (laughs) And I like, (laughs) and I I didn't actually take it out to see how bad it was. And I couldn't really even identify what I did. And I must've either like deformed a tooth or something to cause the, the cut just to be uh, way off. And the blade was probably at that point shot. So I had to replace the blade and all that good stuff. But you know, even at this point, where I'm at now, where I know better. I totally knew better. It was such a dumb thing, but you do tend to sometimes make, I don't know, complacent choices like that. Mm -hmm. And you take what you think are calculated risks. And the calculated risk was, okay, the worst that's going to happen is the workpiece is going to get destroyed. And I was okay with that because I had a lot extra and I was going to be able to, to do what I needed to do with it. And I was right. Nothing really traumatic happened to me. I was safe but I destroyed a blade that I didn't intend on destroying, you know, and it just like, was a reminder that, you know what, man, you don't know as much as you think, you know, like take mm. a step back when you think something, when the, the flag is up and you know, your warning signs go off, pay attention to them. Don't ignore them because you know better than this. It was just such a stupid thing to do. Yeah. Really? I think the, the lesson there is if you're lucky and you make one of these, we'll call it a dumb mistake, a stupid mistake. Uh, if you're lucky, it's only the tool that gets ruined. <laughs> So if you really think about it. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. All right. Well, I think we just about answered Eric's questions. Uh, This is a good thing for kickback. If you had a shop experience, a close call, or even a a real injury. I mean, we're lucky guys. What about the, what about the people that cut off a finger? How do, how do they get back in the shop? So we're not even the best people to answer this because I think our injuries are fairly uh, non-traumatic and not really life-changing. So I would love to hear from people who have had serious injuries, um, whether, whether it was like a stupid mistake or just a legitimate issue that happened. Regardless, how did you get the gumption to turn the saws back on and get back in the shop? I would love to hear some kickback on that. Yeah, and don't send us pictures. No yeah, pictures. Please, yeah, thank you. Oh my no gosh. Pictures. That's just, we get enough yeah. of that in May around uh, you know safety <laughs> right. day. Uh, we, don't, we don't need any more of that. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Matt, how about you give them that contact info and we'll let everybody get back to their weekend. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question or a topic suggestion? Or were you also really hoping that Mark was going to slip up and say bowels were exploding <laughs> during that question? <laughs> I was really keeping my fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> so anyways, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail line on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. 
Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. You know, guys, I would ask my grandfather about that because he pretty much almost lost his thumb on that table saw that I was using all those years ago. But unfortunately, he's passed away, so he's not really good for answering questions anymore. Get the Ouija board. I've got a few guys at the lumberyard that are that can't count to 10 anymore, but I frankly don't want to go up and go, so tell me about how you lost your finger. That's kind of an awkward conversation. Yeah. Are they okay with fractions? Jeez. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> uh, and I guess I'll leave you with this. Uh, be sure to read, understand, and follow all of the safety rules that come with your power tools. And also make sure you wear prescription glasses because that's important. And if you're really looking for something cringeworthy, episode 484 at Matt's Basement Workshop. Yeah, we'll definitely put that link in there. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.